are the champions, my friends. We are the finalists. Actually, we're we're almost champions. Almost. <laughs> we at the end. That was a busy weekend. It was, man. It was so much things happened. Say man. that all the time. I, I know, yeah. but I mean, this weekend was different, wasn't it? Yeah. Who was it? That's the uh, question, well, yeah, right? Actually, I don't know. I mean, Friday, I had a high school game with my, basically a high school team that I coach, and we won five to two. Mm. And Saturday. Good start. Good start. Good start. And Saturday morning, me and you, we left for a tournament for our U11, co- uh, U11 girls team, and we left like 6, 15 a.m., yeah, man, like that, yeah. in the morning. The old grind. I mean, I don't know who schedules the game for 8 a.m. I know. Morning, but I mean, oof. We were there, though. We were there. We did it. And they were there. And uh, we had two teams as often as we usually do. And going into this tournament this past weekend, I feel like we were we were confident, you and I, weren't we? We like, were. Good girls have, on both teams improved immensely. Some good players. And we both felt that... We have a real shot of winning this. Both teams do. We really believed in our teams. Yeah. We thought that, yeah, we had a really good chance to make it all the way to the final and win this, man. Just to give context, the, um, I believe the elite team hadn't been to the final in a few years, if ever. I think they had been before or something. I never but, heard uh, they had ever been um, to a semifinal even. Uh, and same with the premier team. They hadn't even been to a semifinal. Or yeah. gotten out of the group, right? I mean, even if you look at the last year when we played the same tournament, mm-hmm. I remember Premier Team lost games with like six, seven, zero. You know, I it was so. it was something like that. And the elite team, yeah, they played one good game, but we didn't really make it to the playoffs. Mm. You know, so first of all, I don't really like this with elite and Premier. You know, like I feel sometimes brutal when. In the practices, I call like, okay, the elite squad is coming with me and the premier players go with Coach Carey, you know? It's such a... Well, elite and premier in this case is, it's like A and B squad. Exactly, yeah. But in, it, normally, you I don't know how many people would get that. Premier and elite I, I have like the same meaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But elite, it sounds so much better somehow. Yeah, but then you have the premier league. And then Which you have United the too. We have also United, the third team, man. That's yeah, true too. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just like, I know some of the girls are like, I can tell by some of the girls that they want to be on the elite team. And every time, you know, their names is not called up for a game, they get that frowny face. You know, they look down <laughs> on the pitch, you know. They get I, a frowny face. Yeah, dude. They come to me and ask, hey, am I on the elite squad or not? Even though, you know, we mix with a lot of players in the practices, you yeah. know. Anyways, man, what was the big take for you this weekend? Like, you felt like after you came home or, you know, mm. you really like, okay, this was so cool to experience. So, that's a good one. I say there are a couple things. The premier team showed, I mean, there's some good players, some players that have a really good drive on the premier team. But the whole team showed this new level of focus and and competitiveness and commitment that I had never seen from them before. So that was awesome to see. But I'd say the biggest thing was, like I said, uh, they'd never really gotten out of the group before in a tournament. 
So once they played really well those first two games, enough to get out of the group uh, and into the semifinal. And then the semifinal game was, it was what, like 1230 on a, on a day like today right now. Very cloudy, wet, yeah. kind of rainy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, on a day like that against a team that we all know is really good, a good club, a good organization. And we played them so evenly, so intense, back and forth. Uh, Both teams tough had game. Chances. Both teams had chances. And then even at halftime, it rained a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that just added to the whole drama, like how I think a semifinal should be. And they've never been in a situation like that before. And then to see them take it all the way, play so well, all the way to a penalty shootout, and then to win on penalty shootouts in the most traumatic way possible, probably. They've never experienced anything at all like that before. So just the the joy i guess and that joy, experience man. was that's what i take away from yeah, it yeah yeah that's great man like when that they, they got into the final and they were yeah. gonna get a medal yeah exactly man when they got together after the penalty shootout when they yeah. won it that was beautiful we were watch. even uh i don't know if you noticed because you watched that game and it wasn't my idea but once the shootout started some of them were like everyone hold hands let's hold hands on the bench and so i was like you know a good idea let's do that okay. like you <laughs> yeah. see that sometimes yeah. the professionals do. um what about for you though and for me, it was more of, uh, you know, I've been, we've been setting a new formation, free to free formation. And uh, I've been for a long time really talking about uh, the technical ability of controlling the ball and finding a pass and finding new spaces to get the ball. And just that movement of understanding of football right mm. with or without the ball is something I've been really hard on them and in this tournament I really felt like they had it they have it basically it was like a pass from the right defender to central defenders up to the central midfielder up to the left striker left striker makes a quick cross uh, into the penalty box and the striker misses it and the right striker comes and taps in I mean that was like a six seven pass in the team before yeah. we made it a goal and just to watch that type of cleverness without having a without having a coach or me telling them exactly where to pass like, and what okay, to do. Okay, now do pass the Exactly, okay, exactly. Okay, so, yeah, you know, obviously yeah. I didn't do it, right? And just to be able to see that they managed to do all of that a few times on their own made me proud over the development they had over the year. They're so, learning, they're learning the the game yeah and they're learning from the best man the special one <laughs> me yeah, yeah i guess that's true you the, you the <laughs> me man oh you you more like Arsene Wenger nah okay. <laughs> i'm just kidding Arsene, i mean i took them to the final <laughs> how can i be like Arsene Wenger <laughs> it's impossible you can't be no one can't be like him that's for sure although man. If, well, to be fair i guess he did just take arsenal to the league cup final yes <laughs> and how did that turn out <laughs> and though? they lost uh, yeah yeah you like him so we did both teams to get to the final, which is, um, yes. like, I guess, unprecedented. Fortunately, we both lost and disappointed. I think we were both disappointed that we played teams, not bad teams, but teams we that... We could have won. I think we were better than. Yeah. We could have beaten both. You know, after coming home, basically being at the tournament all day, right? And like you said, it was kind of boring, weather, kind of rainy yeah i came home and i was on the couch with kaylee my wife and we were laying there and um, i had recorded the arsenal manchester city game so i was watching that game replay without knowing the results of course and um, (laughs) and it was just like 
what the fuck is going on? Honestly, you know, what the fuck is this? Like, uh, watching uh, Manchester City not really playing that well, but still dominate the game over Arsenal, you know? My wife even said, like, it looks like a Premier League team plays against, like, a Division 2 free team, like, League 1 or League 2 team. And she was right. Like, as I watched it, it was like we had no really... I don't know, man. Chance? Mm. Like, we didn't do good passes. We didn't do good crosses. We didn't do really um, any dribbling. There was no really cleverness. And even if you look at the goal where Kunagiro chipped over Ospina, we were even weak in situations like that when Kunagiro could just give like a tiny push behind Mustafi and that shit happens. World Cup winner Mustafi. Exactly. And a lot would say, including me, up to this point, our best defender, Arsenal's best defender. <laughs> so how does that make you feel? You know? Uh, yeah. Sergio Aguero, the scourge of Arsenal again. He scores against the Gunners for a fifth match in a row and moves himself to 199 Manchester City goals. the game so well. I mentioned the term under 12s before. Look at Mustafi there in the middle. He's got Aguero behind him. I mean, that is not a foul. Mustafi's got to be stronger than that. It's pathetic defending. And the goalkeeper, well, he's just still in no man's land. You can see it coming from a mile off. Yeah, maybe the two of the central defenders should be round him, but it's really bad for Mustafi. Uh, I still actually haven't even seen the game. Mm. Uh, I was going to do like you, but I accidentally, like YouTube, you know, I used, accidentally got spoiled. Oh, by I the, hate when that happens. Yeah. Uh, the same shit happened to me when I watch, I was going to watch the North London Derby. A couple I, weeks ago? Yeah. yeah. And I accidentally started Wrestles. And I was like, no way, are you kidding me? We lost 1-0. <laughs> yeah. Because once it's a loss, too, then it's like, you know, you can't even be happy. Like, oh, at least we won. Exactly. Right. Like, no, I'll watch the highlights. It. Yeah, but I did the stupid thing, and I watched the game. Oh, wow. You know, I watched That's the dedication. game. That's dedication. No, that, that, were, that was hurting. That's from, insanity. No, dude, that was, it's crazy. <laughs> it was, I heard from the minute it started, because I knew we are going to lose this game. <laughs> you know? Wow, yeah. I still watched it, right? I still haven't seen the highlights of the City game. But I've heard enough people talk about it, and they said all the same stuff that you just said. That I think I have a gist of how... <laughs> of how it happened, of how each goal went, of how Arsenal played. You're right, they all said that City didn't even even play that well either. Uh, yeah. To be fair, though, I'm getting tired tired of it. That's not to say we won't talk about Arsenal anymore. Yeah. Um, this is supposed to be players in a club that's supposed to be one of the biggest in Europe, if we're yeah. being honest, right? Yeah. Not Who cares? Not maybe Real Madrid, or but one of the biggest in Europe that's supposed to challenge every season. Not necessarily win it all the time. But challenge every season for a big trophy. But and I think we have good players. I maybe I'm blind for saying that, but I think we have good players. I think Bellerin's a good player with good potential. Mustafi, Ramsey, of course Ozil and Aubameyang. But once they just show up for these big games, wait, I, wait, 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 wait. I, I, I'm sorry, I just cut you there. I would say, <laughs> should be. I'm I would say, shocked. I would say Ozil is a top player. Uh huh. He's the only one. He's the kind of only one. Uh, you know, like he's world class. Everyone else, 
he, you know, like, we don't really have a player like Santi Cazorla. Mm. Remember when we bought in Santi Cazorla? It was almost like we, it's similar to when Chelsea bought Mata or when Manchester City bought Silva. We bought Santi Cazorla. Okay. It's that kind of dignity of players. After that, we really haven't been Spanish able to... small midfielders. <laughs> yes, yes. Since then, we don't really have that quality player coming in. We've just been waiting for those players that comes in to be quality. Make sense? I guess so. I suppose. You know... Other than... I mean, we have Aubameyang now as well. Right. And I think Lacazette, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is, to be fair. I mean, these are players that are in a cup final at Wembley, which is Arsenal has been good at the last few years. You're right. And ha- every year has been like Arsene Wenger's saving grace. Yeah. Like, at least we won something here. We won the FA Cup or something. Yeah. But... We call it like a second home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but to throw that away, once now there's literally nothing left to play for, maybe the Europa League, but that won't be easy. And no chance in getting even into the top four. And, uh, you know, I was... Disgrace. That's exactly what Gary Neville said. Is that the one you you watched the Sky Sports Yes. Feed? And I, I'm I happy about, I watched it, you yeah, know? Yeah, you got to see, hear that. Listen to that. But, I mean, just think about Raw. it, though. Exactly. But think about it, man. A commentator... Really spoke his mind. Really brutal, though. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit of commentary I think that might go down in history. Yeah. I mean, every commentator is known for... for a few calls that they've made. Yes. And Gary Neville, who's a relatively new commentator, if we're being honest, he's been a pundit on Sky Sports for a while. He's commentated for a little mm-hmm. bit, but um, compared to the likes of, obviously, he's still a young guy compared to the likes of Martin Tyler or some, Andy Gray or something. He's relatively new, but yeah. he's made two significant, I think, significant, uh, memorable calls with this one, this disgraceful one from <laughs> Arsenal. Yeah. And we all remember the... <laughs> once, he, once Chelsea scored against Barcelona at New Camp. Didier Drogba is going to be replaced by Fernando Torres, who has not exactly been a raging success in his time at Chelsea. Could this be his moment? I wonder. He does have a very good scoring record against Barcelona for Atletico Madrid. Messi. Pulls the trigger, hits the post. Well, if there is a football god up there, he's smiling on Chelsea. Shabby. Dani Alves, yet another cross from him, yet another defensive header from Chelsea. Shabby's there to win it back, though. There's a good shot for a handball. Is it? Is it? Fernando Torres. This could be. The most dramatic story of the season. It's Torres oh! to give Chelsea a place in the Champions League final. The headline has been written. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I said 
The last 18 months have just been forgotten in two seconds. And these, look at those Chelsea players, the bench, the manager, they're all on the pitch, they're jumping around like mad. It's gone absolutely wild. £50 million has just been repaid by Fernando Torres, scorer of the goal that will send Chelsea Football Club... But he was spot... <laughs> I mean, he was spot on, though. Spot on with this. And I think he said stuff that needed to be said. People have been saying for a while, but I think feel like with this commentary on a big English station... Yes, that should, I don't know, really drive home the the message to to the Arsenal players, the Arsenal fans that still are ignorant and think that that everything is fine to the board. So, yeah, it's 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 like a mystery for us. We were here, you know, we in US, right? Yeah, we're not really going to every home. I mean, we're not going to every home game. We're not seeing exactly what's happening on the pitch the atmosphere or even just to experience that shit live you know what i mean uh we at least i am in comfort in my wife's arms or i'm at a arsenal pub here in atlanta or something but um we're not there live when you watch the game live you are so more in tune with the emotions you're more sure. hyped you're more it's it's the spectrum of hundreds of different emotions that goes through a 90 minute game that you don't really experience if you watch on tv and you know when i say something on the podcast like you know or something like you said like i'm tired of arsenal right or i said it before <laughs> like i don't want to watch more games yeah you know it's it hurts too much i got some people saying hey you are not a <laughs> not a fan not a fan, fan. Yeah, yeah not a fan or you know i'm like you know, and we've been talking about this, you know, this is a podcast from two fans to all the fans out there, right? And there's so many different styles of being a fan. Like, because I don't have an Arsenal tattoo on my heart, on my chest, doesn't mean that I'm not an Arsenal supporter, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's, it, there's so many different ways to be a supporter. And uh, someone that has uh, given the supporters a voice is... Robbie from Arsenal Fan TV. Yeah. They've made a, they've become quite the phenomenon, I'd say, over recent years. Like, similar to us, where they are a bunch of Arsenal fans that have a platform to give fans a voice. And I'm sure a lot of us, a lot of you listeners know who they are. Maybe some of you don't, but, um, they've become quite in the spotlight a lot, particularly yeah. recently. Yeah. Um, especially the last two years or something. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, to be honest, I, I know some there divide a lot of opinion, but the whole nature of the YouTube channel. But to be honest, I'm a fan. I like them. Yeah. I, I, I like to watch. Uh, and not just fans have an opinion, but pundits, players, coaches, everyone has their own opinion on anything, including the nature of Arsenal Fan TV or Fan TVs of West Ham, Chelsea, right. United, Man United. Teams. And not too long ago, this is just like a week ago, maybe. Mm -hmm. Hector Bellerin appeared on the Oxford Q&A pretty much. Yeah, they've, they've had like Rio Ferdinand in the past right. and other established footballers. Uh, so he appeared in this Q&A just to talk about his life, be almost like a motivational, not a motivational speaker, but just, you know, to speak to, to a bunch of students. And one student asked him about his thoughts on Arsenal Fan TV. And here's what Bellerin had to say about it. 
I think that the Arsenal fan TV has had a massive effect on other Arsenal supporters around the world. I really do. That's probably fair. You know, yeah. uh, they're coming out there and sharing their emotions so raw straight after a game. And their thoughts that are so spot on is being... Maybe it has put a pressure on the team. I think so. Perhaps I'm disappointed. You know, he has put a pressure on Wenger. I think so. But it's a pressure of change that is needed to fucking happen. And for me, honestly, I feel like sometimes when I watch it and, and that uh, there is such a big unhappiness around the club and it's finally up to the fans to kind of save the club. It's kind of fans that need to speak up to take, take the club to the direction it needs to and it needs to actually go because it goes to a totally the other way right now. Yeah. Uh, I just want to say one thing. Actually, I don't agree with you in that. Why? I don't agree with you about uh, Arsenal Fan TV specifically putting added pressure on the club. Just because, it's, the I mean, the fans, they go out there. I agree with everything you said. Yeah. Uh, other than that. <laughs> but, I mean, the fans go out there and play in front of 60,000 people every week or every other week or so. And they hear constant abuse or opinions or criticisms of fans especially someone like Bellerin that stands right by the sidelines right they do they do and it's some of it's a lot worse than what you get on Arsenal TV so I feel like they feel that pressure all the time all the time I'm not sure man I mean they should be able to cope with it I mean I know but there is no really harmony you know and it's not like the Arsenal fan TV guys are making it easier but listen I'm on their side though. Me too. You know, I'm saying the same stuff. Yeah. I want to have a change to change too. I want to have Wenger out too. Yeah. I don't want our club to go down and become top six of the six. Not even be soon. They're gonna fucking say top five clubs, and Arsenal's not gonna be in it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> we need to have a change. And there are a few p- people that have been on the show on Arsenal Fan TV, which is like Troops, DT. Yeah. And Mo, and Mo is someone that I really enjoy watching his clips because he uh, he's so articulate, he's mm. so direct, he is very um, nice guy with very calm and good opinions. Mm. You I know, agree. I think he's very rational, and it always makes sense when you talk to him. And um, you know, he's been doing it for a long time. He's been an Arsenal fan for a very long time, so. He, you know, here we have a guy that probably watched the Arsenal versus Barcelona game live. Mm. I don't know. Mm. You know, what I'm you mean the one at the Emirates or one of the two at the Emirates? No, I mean the, the Champions, Champions League. League. Final. I'm uh, sorry, should I make it more clear? <laughs> okay. Uh, well, probably all, maybe all three of them actually. But <laughs> yeah, but th- those other doesn't really don't matter. No, doesn't that, count. Th- that's when we started to go out. You fucking had Alunia yeah, as a yeah, goalie, bro. You yeah, know what I'm saying? But you also had Wilshere, the pride of Arsenal, pride of North London. Let me say it again. Let me say the that Barcelona again. midfielders. Yeah, but it's still... But still, yeah, no, we went out. They lost won. Next to the, lost next game. They won. One. Yeah. They won, you know? Not that, not that game. Arsenal won that game. Right, but they won the tournament. Yeah. Yeah, Barcelona won the tie and maybe the tournament. <laughs> I can't remember now. But. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, Mo's probably been at the Champions League final against Barcelona, you know? I don't know. But 
he he's seen the hybrid he's seen the Bergkamps he's seen the Jungbergs he's seen all this big pride and to be able to see what's going on now yes you know that's hurtful but for us as fans of the game and fans of the of the club wouldn't it be interesting to just call Mo right now and <laughs> get his perspective a little bit of the journey of Arsenal since he started and um, what he thinks of uh, the whole phenomenon of Arsenal Fan TV and the whole situation of uh, Arsenal Football Club. Let's do it. Let's get Mo on the line. Let's do it. Let's call him. So you said that it's snowing. You might not be able to go to the game, man. I I really really hope that's not going to be the case. But yeah, there's there's just a slight risk. I mean, I don't know how big the risk is. That's the thing. I just if I can get out of my drive, yeah. because obviously my my drive isn't going to be gritted and that sort of thing, and I get onto proper roads, then I'll be fine. It's just a case of can I get away from my house? Really, mm. is it that bad? Mm. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, um, I was talking to Kerry. This was a few months ago, and I was like, "Hey, man, we need to get some of the any anyone from the Arsenal fan TV." But the one that I really like is Mo. Wow! Uh, yeah, go ahead and right. discredit all the others. Any potential? No, but the, the, the others. others no, the others are good too. You know, the others are good too. They're also very straightforward. Um, but I feel like with Mo is more. I can relate to him more. I think you know he's uh, very articulate. His uh, feelings and. Uh, after the game is very similar to mine and I saw recently that Arsenal Fan TV had the fifth anniversary yeah had like a gala celebration on it I yeah. saw that on YouTube too yeah talk talk, yeah. talk us through about that man yeah it was really it was good man it was just uh, for me you know um, it's different because it, it really dawned on me then that when I look at a lot of the other guys doing it there's some people that went on Arsenal Fan TV because it was Arsenal Fan TV there's nothing wrong with that at all. I'm not trying to cast any sort of shade on anyone for anyone's motivations. But when I went on Arsenal Fan TV, I didn't know who they were. The channel was tiny. No one had heard of them. And I just saw some guys with a camera. I didn't know who Robbie was. I'd never seen him before. Yeah. So I went on, um, you know, for all of the right reasons, if you want, if you want to call it that, just mm. for, for what Arsenal Fan TV was set up for in its most purest form. Obviously, after that, it's taken such a... You know, it's generated so much interest that now people want to go on there because of the channel. But when I went on there, it was just because I wanted to vent. So mm-hmm. I, I think maybe I view Arsenal Fan TV and I look at it maybe slightly differently to other people. So for me, it was just about I was so proud of just how far the channel has come because I remember when I was there doing it when it was just not a big deal at all. So um, yeah, I think some of the other some of the other guys maybe they maybe view it a bit differently but I, mm-hmm. I was just like very happy for Robbie and Tao um because I've seen them from day one and, I, and I've I've been with like you know around them for a long time now right and seen how hard they work so yeah it's uh very happy for them both the, the thing is also like you know we need to vent man you know what I'm saying we need to really speak uh what we feel after games like that and uh, it's pretty amazing what 
uh, Robbie has done and Arsenal fan TV has done within the football world. You know, somehow he has given the fans a voice so we can express our joy, but also, you know, if we're unhappy with the games. And uh, man, it's almost like, it's almost like finally we have Arsenal fans coming out and expressing how they feel because I've been feeling like that for a long time, but you know my voice is nothing but finally we have a little bit idea what the masses think um yeah do you feel like sometimes that it has affected the team in a bad way as well because now everyone kind of agrees everyone kind of thinks the same too you think there is a bad negativity and pressure because of that as well or do you think like wait a minute they're professionals they shouldn't even uh, think of what the fans think or yeah do you feel like it has a bad effect on the team uh, it, it's very hard you know to from any like sort of scientific basis to come a, to a conclusion on that I, I i think it'd be a bit of a long shot to say arsenal fan tv directly has a negative impact on the team yeah. I, I i don't i just don't think arsenal fan tv is that um, and obviously it's big, but it's just not that influential, mm. you know, to transcend to on the pitch. But I do think it, in a way, potentially could um, increase the pressure on players. Um, yeah, I don't know. In turn, maybe that does have an impact. But look, being a professional footballer for Arsenal Football Club is enough pressure as it is. I, I, I really don't... I think that, look, you know, if Arsenal Fan TV increases that pressure yeah. i think it's so marginal it's irrelevant we're talking about sky sports bt sports talk sport bbc um you know football coverage right. and you know all these different uh, newspapers in the country they, they go into so much detail as it is that i don't think arsenal fan tv has had a material impact mm. in any way whatsoever in terms of on the, what goes on on the pitch. But in terms of bringing the club to account and, um, you know, fans having a voice, yeah, it's, it's changed the game. But I don't know. I, I do think Arsenal Fan TV at times, whether it's marginally or immaterial or whatever, it has got the potential and has uh, had a detrimental impact at times, if I'm being completely objective about it. But, you know, it's uh, that's obviously not the intention. That's not why Arsenal Fan TV was created. Of that's just part of love. <laughs> uh, you talk about pressure. And to be honest, in my opinion, that the pressure at Arsenal Football Club is the pressure that I think most footballers should want. You should want to be at a big club and always be, I don't know, Feel that pressure. Always be be aiming to win titles. You don't want to. You don't want the pressure. You don't want there to be lack of pressure and players to just get comfortable with where they are, uh, even if it's mediocrity. Isn't that correct? Yeah, one hundred percent. And I almost feel like you know because we're talking about a balance here in terms of there's an optimal level of pressure, right? There's too much pressure. There's not enough pressure. And I actually think Arsenal currently are on the not enough uh, yeah. side of the coin because um, you know there's there's players that I, I just kind of feel like you know let's take Gareth Bale as an example okay you look at him at Tottenham and you look at him at Real Madrid his whole physique has actually changed yeah <laughs> you can you can tell that at Real Madrid they do things differently there's more intensity uh, than there is at Tottenham and look Tottenham are obviously doing very well so this isn't meant to be a dig at them it's just an example mm -hmm. of a player 
And I, I just think, wondered to myself, let's say, for example, Theo Walcott went to Real Madrid instead of Arsenal or went to Barcelona instead of Arsenal when he was younger. Yeah. Or let's say Hector Bellerin goes to Barcelona, you know, in, in the next year or two. When we look at them in five years' time, are they going to be very different? You know, would Theo Walcott's career trajectory, would, would it have been very different if he was at Real Madrid compared to Arsenal? And I think so. And I think that is because of this pressure that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. There's not enough pressure. And it takes... a it takes a very special person, in my opinion, to put that pressure on themselves. And, you know, interestingly, I was talking to Ian Wright about this. And I was talking to him about, uh, you know, Arsene Wenger and his style. And I said to him, how many times did Arsene Wenger shout at you when you played for him? Mm-hmm. Or not you, but the whole team. How many times was there kind of this, like, real intensity yeah. where people were a bit scared? And obviously, this is very close to that conversation of pressure. And he said, look, he didn't shout. And then mm-hmm. I said, well, look, you know, on one hand, Ian, uh, when Ian Wright were playing, Arsene Wenger achieved amazing success with that team. And it seems like he's kept his management style the same. He doesn't seem to be shouting at players these mm-hmm. days. Yet this crop of players don't respond in the same way to the other crop. And it's almost like you've got to know who you're managing, who you're working with. Certain players don't need that. They can do it themselves. They're right, just right. natural-born leaders, natural-born winners, or the culture within that collective at any moment in time is a, a winning culture. Right now, it's not. And I kind of feel like we do need more intensity. We do need more pressure. And maybe that's why we need a bit of chalk and cheese in terms of Arsene Wenger's replacement. Maybe someone like Diego Simeone is what we need to really shake things up and for people to kind of think, oh, crap, I really need exactly. to change. I really need to adapt exactly. in order to survive at this club. Because there could be someone like Ancelotti that might be somewhat similar in, mm-hmm. in certain ways where mm-hmm. it could just be more of the same at Arsenal. And really what we need is a bit of a revolution. We need that, yeah. I'm curious, uh, and I hope I'm not going uh, too off topic or anything, but this just caught my mind. But do you think that modern football still has much of those those natural-born leaders that you're talking about, like Ian Wright's day, you had Tony Adams, Rio Ferdinand, Steven Gerrard, all of those were natural-born leaders that would buy, uh, grab the game out of the scruff of the neck, you know, and just force their team through. Uh, but this... Doesn't look you know, like it really, when you look the at current, Arsenal, Man United... Yeah, a Chelsea. lot of other teams. Do you, do you see that that sort of leader coming back to the game or do you think they're still around or do you think it's kind of shifted away from that? No, I have to say that there's no logical reason as to why there'd be uh, a lower quantity of those sort of types of people in football. You know, there's, I can't attribute that to anything, but it does seem as though there are less of those types Mm -hmm. of players. And, um, they're rare. They're, you know, they're, they're so, so important to have. And, but, but you know, I think maybe, you know, are you, are you born a leader or do you become a leader is maybe the question. And for me, the culture comes down from the top. If you, if there's, if you encourage people, if the expectation is there to win, I think that pressure creates leaders, you know. And I, I just almost feel as though Tony Adams, if he came through the ranks at Arsenal in this era... Would he have ended up being the leader that he's so uh, revered for being? Yeah. I, I think probably not. You know, mm-hmm. so I almost think it's the culture that creates um, 
you know, people and makes them into leaders. And right now, I think it's very hard. Is it's all quite nice at Arsenal, it seems, and yeah. I think it might be quite hard to be at that level of intensity. Um, and an, an interesting one is that look at Alexis Sanchez. A lot of people complained about Alexis Sanchez and the way he was. Now, for me, Alexis Sanchez is a natural-born winner. Yeah. Um, he doesn't necessarily lead by example in terms of conduct, but he certainly does in terms of performance. And you know that kind of restlessness, that that passion for victory and the restlessness yeah. when you don't get your way? That is, um, to me, that's what he had. It's like what Luis Suarez had. And people don't always challenge, channel it in the right way. Now, Ale- uh, Alexis Sanchez wasn't popular because of that reason. But I think to myself, if he played alongside Henri and uh, Ian Wright and Tony Adams and all of these people that we love so much, Patrick Vieira, he, he might have fit, fit right in. in. He, he, yeah, he might have just fit in with them straight away. They might have yeah. just thought, yeah, we get what you're about. You're an idiot. We don't like you. <laughs> we get pissed off at you. But yeah, we get what you're about. We're here to win. Someone like Laren. Yeah. I don't think Laren would have cared, you know, if Alexis Sanchez doesn't turn up to do media duties. Laren just wants to win. I agree. I agree with you, man. Because uh, you know I'm Swedish, and uh, my idol is Slatan Ibrahimovic, and yeah. uh, he's like a player like that. When he came to United, the players were surprised over his winning mentality, how much he wants to win, and uh, you you know like obviously Cristiano Ronaldo always talking about the titles and wins, and they are not super easy to the teammates. They don't necessarily like super good friends either, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah. for them, it's all about like getting everyone on board to have that winning mentality to actually fight for it and when you look at when i look at some of the players at arsenal we don't really have that urge you know we don't have set that level like who's gonna be who's in the team are saying like i'm going to be the best player in the world i'm gonna exactly. you know i'm yeah. gonna be that i'm gonna make we're gonna win the champions league who says that you know right now yeah. and, and ca- You imagine if if a player, you know, if if Eddie Nketiah walked in the dressing room and said, "Guys, I want to win the Ballon d'Or," mm-hmm. I, I wonder what sort of reception he'd get. You know, if <laughs> yeah. you, if you're at Real Madrid, if you're at Barcelona, Bayern Munich, and he says, "I want to win the Ballon d'Or," right. he can look around him and he can look at players that have reached those sort of heights, and he can, you know, probably have like you know probably have that conversation at that club, and people not sort of be like, "Oh, relax, chill out," you know. Yeah, also, I kind of feel like, oh, come on, you know, calm down. Calm down, yeah. I mean, look at Kylian yeah, yeah. Mbappe, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, he just came up from, you know, he had a really good season and he was immediately like, you know, I want to be the best player in the world. There's like no doubt in that. And somehow they fostered those talents. We we kind of wait for years for build up a team while nowadays within one year you can build a team, you know? Um, yeah. So for me, I kind of lost faith in Arsene Wenger that, you know, that era when he couldn't manage to win the champion uh, or a title. And when we had the team with Fabregas, uh, Van mm. Persie, Nasri, Song, we had some good, decent players that were coming to the height of the careers. And we didn't manage to be successful with that team. And, you know, I felt like, okay, now what? Now we got to fucking wait another four years, build a team. And by the time it's two, three years later, the our players are going to want to go away, which happened again, right? Yeah, um, exactly. You know, so uh, where are you with your patience? And where kind of did you like, 
uh, feel like, fuck it, man, what the hell is really going on here, you know? Oh, I felt like that years ago. Uh, yeah. Really years ago. You know, for, for many, many years, I've been saying that, you know, the culture at Arsenal is not, um, you know, not right in my opinion but that is set from the very top and and what i what i think is that people think that when arsene wenger leaves there's going to be a amazing turnaround Mm -hmm. it's going to take a very very special manager to um to win because you know for me i look at our culture at arsenal and the whole setup and i think is does that help us reach our goals or do we reach our goals in spite of that culture and it's the latter i don't think the culture is there it's not there pushing us towards glory and success. And I'll give one example. You know, um, we, we're often referred to as the 12th man, you know, the, mm-hmm. the crowd. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then you think to yourself, well, what do the club do? What, you know, at, what actions can we say? These are, this is an, a bit of evidence that the club is trying to maximize the benefit of the 12th man. I can't really think of anything. Like, yeah, fine, a few flags before kickoff and, and that sort of thing. I mean, no, really, come on, let's get a singing section. Let's start being a bit nastier, a bit more ruthless in the way we try and um, use this to our advantage. So, for example, when I go to Newcastle away, our away fans are kept right at the top of, of the ground. You know, you can't even see anything. You're so far away. Obviously, as a result of that, you can't then go and influence the game as much as you'd like to. You're not pitch side to, right. to do that. At Arsenal, they're in the lower tier in the corner. And you, you you see the teams that come to Arsenal, when they score, they, they run to their own fans and celebrate. I, if it was up to me, I'd say, like, what is the reason d'etre for Arsenal's existence? Mm-hmm. We're here to win trophies. Every single thing about the club should have that in mind, that ob- objective in mind. So when it comes to figuring out how we're going to position away supporters, you know, I'm, I... I on one hand, I'm an away fan, and I hate the fact that I have to go and sit in rubbish seats. But at least let's reciprocate and say to clubs, look, if you're going to do this to us, we're going to do it to you. Yeah, you I know, say, in order to- I'm sorry to interrupt, but you're so spot on. I hate that when I'm just watching on TV. I hate it once we attack. That's the Is that the clock end, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, um, yeah. I hate it once we attack that end just because I see half that side on TV swathed in blue or white or whatever. Yeah. And it's just so, it's just not a fun sight to see, especially after they score. And yeah, exactly. And and you look at how many, how poor our record is in the first halves of games at home uh, compared to the second half. And I know obviously the timing of the game is the bigger factor here where there's a bit more urgency to go and win the game in the second half. But I would look at our first half performances and say, well, what can we do to try and uh, make this less second half you know, heavy in terms of us winning games. But it's, these are just examples of where I feel like not every single thing about the club is geared towards trying to trying to win, trying to win trophies, trying to be successful. So it's going to take a very special manager to come in. And and, and that's why I kind of mentioned Simeone, even though he's not actually my favourite to take over, but someone like Simeone that's going to come and just be desperate to yeah. win, not, yeah. not be there to kind of, you know, carry on with his career. You get a lot of journeyman managers I wanted Pep Guardiola because everywhere he goes, he's got a plan. I'm going to be here for four years. I want to win everything. Then I want to leave. That's what I wanted. Yeah. And it's going to take a very special character if the culture stays the same at Arsenal. I mean, this, the thing is also like the coach that comes in needs to kind of speak up against the board as well. You know, you look at Conte this year. 
um, he has troubles with getting his word out and what he wishes to get to the club. And you spot on when you talk about the culture, right? And it goes from the top to the bottom. Me and my twin brother, we went to London years ago to watch uh, the Chelsea game at Emirates. And that fucking game we lost. That's when Torres scored that one goal and Diaby yeah. got injured. And, you know, we went to the day after, I believe it was, we went to QPR West Ham, which had an amazing atmosphere. But the Arsenal-Chelsea game, man, it was like dead. And, you know, I hear a lot of people say there's too many tourists. I mean, I was tourist, but also <laughs> a fan as well, you know. But I'm, you know, but so somehow, somehow it's not that many people that speaks up. It's almost like you go and watch entertainment, you know. But yet there are passionate Arsenal fans there. So I'm not really... Uh, can you just uh, you have some- yeah just to add on to that I am curious about that because I do hear that a lot and with me personally having unfortunately never gone to London yet to see Arsenal live and with me not having been alive say 30 35 years ago mm-hmm. uh, when I hear today's atmosphere it often compared to do you do you I'm just curious to hear what your thoughts are on about that on the 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 noise at the grounds today particularly in England. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, it's it's um, people always going on about uh, the English crowds and stuff. And th- look, I'm not saying it's not good. It is, it is, it is really good. They're very passionate, and you get great banter on the terraces and all that sort of stuff. But there's there's a thing now with uh, big clubs, and I'm not. This isn't just exclusive to Arsenal. When I go to Old Trafford or Anfield, Stamford Bridge, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Etihad, the home support is just. I'll, I'll say it as it is. It's crap. It's just rubbish. Um, <laughs> when I go to Leicester or Crystal Palace, I actually, I'm in admiration for, for their home support. But it seems like there's an actual effort that has been taken with the club in order to create a singing section yeah. that gets people going. The way, the way it is at Arsenal, and I think the problem is that there are people that do want to make noise. There are people that do want to sing. But these people are not positioned together. So it's kind of too sporadic. You feel like a bit of an idiot going to a game, trying to get a chance started and failing all the time. Yeah. Or, yeah. or making noise. And you just feel a bit, you end up be feeling a bit self-conscious. And yeah, of course. You, like... you just lose, you lose the will to do it. And it's, uh, it's really quite frustrating because there's, you know, the, the problem is, right, either you change the culture or the culture changes you. And you're not going to go and change the culture set by 60,000 people. So ultimately... You go, you go, you go, you go with, you know, the desire to sing your heart out. And eventually you just realize, well, actually, no, I'm fighting against the tide here. I'm not going to be able to change anything. So, mm. look, it's, it's a big club problem. There are other clubs that have, um, you know, that have kind of set a decent model that I think the big club should be following. But until the club actually has a concerted effort to try and reward loyal home fans. Because, look, right from the start, we're talking about people that go to the games and don't sing. The club aren't even doing anything to stamp out people that have a season ticket and do not go. You should be rewarded for making sure someone is in the seat. Or if not rewarded for doing that, you should be penalised if your seat has not been used for a game. So if you can't go or if you can't be bothered to go, if you haven't tried to sell the ticket on the club's ticket exchange, you should be penalised. And if the club isn't even going to start doing that, I think it shows you how far away 
they are from making sure that there's there's a good home atmosphere. And so this is what I'm talking about in terms of the culture. There's a huge amount that needs to be done. And boy, I just wish, I just really wish that I could go and, um, you know, work for the club for a few months and, yeah. and set up these <laughs> initiatives. Yeah. Oh, oh, it just really frustrates me. It really yeah. does to see the fact that they're not hell-bent on success. What happened, man? You mean from back in the day when we didn't have any problems? Yeah, yeah. Like what? What happened? And what? What could the solution be? You know, like I know we we speak about it and talk about it, and we don't really see any progress either. You know, you you guys were on a meeting, and the board is not really um, too kind either. So I'm just like, you know. I started to follow Arsenal after they lost, actually, against Galatasaray in Denmark. Um, oh, that was like... Uh, 2000. Yeah. And then, yeah. obviously, we had the Champions League final against Barcelona that we also lost. Um, <laughs> were you... Were you? Did you watch that game live? Or did you... Do you remember where you were at the Champions League final? Yeah, man. I, I was at university. I didn't, have the, I didn't have the money to try and get to the game. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny. I remember I... Um, I was at university and obviously because the Champions League final is in May and that's kind of the end of the academic year as well. So I had exams and that sort of thing. And I went to the student student union bar and I got a sofa and I moved it right to the front of the big screen. And I got there at midday for the 7.45 p.m. kickoff. And I sat there for seven hours and 45 minutes to make sure that I <laughs> had the best seat in the house. And um, I was watching it and, oh God, you know, 15 minutes away from winning the Champions League. And I was, you know, at uni... My name was Arsenal Mo. People, that's how people knew me. I was a very vocal um, football fan, as you can imagine, at university, and like, you know, had a reputation for it. So whenever Arsenal lost, I used to get a lot of stick. But I was lucky because we were a great team then. So I used yeah. to, I used to be cocky as hell talking yeah. about Arsenal at uni. And um, I remember that's the last time that I felt like I wanted to hold back the tears in a game. And I was sitting there, and you know, there's foreign students from Spain singing about Barcelona and I, it, it just got to me. I've, mm. I've never been able to watch a replay of the of the game, you mm. know, and it just, yeah, even talking about it, I hate it. I really do. It yeah. just gets to me. Yeah. No, same, man. Same. And, you know, uh, since then it kind of felt like it went out, really, that like we never really had the chance so uh, to fight for any, really, man. I was going to say, it's... it's- I don't know if downhill from there is the right term. I mean, we got to a semifinal a couple of years mm-hmm. later, um, but Can't otherwise... Second in the league, but... Second in the league once or twice, but uh, from then on, it just seemed to be one depressing season after another. Yeah, and I think the, the telling thing is that people might be able to argue about when the decline started, yeah. but no one disputes the fact that, yeah, we are now in, de- in a decline. Yeah. And that's uh, that's worrying, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, I got, I got, I said earlier in the podcast and even in our podcast before, like, um, it starts getting really hard to watch the Arsenal games, you know, <laughs> like uh, even before the game starts, you know, I kind of like, okay, you know, I, I end up watching because I'm a fan, but some people say like, hey, you're not a true supporter or, but I kind of had almost enough, you know, like, uh, like against Tottenham, one of the most important games of the season. We're not showing up, all right. You know, we're not yeah. fighting. Is the last ten minutes basically? They, they realize, oh wait a minute, we're playing a fucking game here. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Same happened against City. Oh, wait a minute. Are we even playing in a final? There was nothing, really. Um, so kind of really drains me. Even my wife is like, why you, why you start keep watching, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But we are supporters, but- right? So before, like, even today's game, like, how... Uh, what makes us fans to always have this unconditional love for the team, even in the good and bad? What's going to make you do your best to fight through the snow, yeah. uh, to go to a game against the top team in the league that uh, can win, but most likely are going to lose? Exactly. And, you know, it, it's amazing just how illogical we are as football fans, just how flipping blind we are yeah. in, in our love for the club. Because I was talking to Robbie about this and I was, me, I was saying to him earlier on today, actually, that, you know, look at the weather today. If it was any other activity, if it was the cinema, for example, mm-hmm. I'd say like, oh, well, you know, the movie hasn't had the best reviews anyway. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a miss or you know I'll, I'll go to one closer to home or you know whatever we'd, or we'd just be like oh, I'll go another time but when it comes to our football clubs we don't even ask the question we don't say who are we playing what do I think the score is going to be we, we, what times are going to finish none of that we, we're just so devoted so blindly devoted to our clubs we just turn up and honestly if you try and ask me to explain it on a logical basis I can't I almost don't want to ask myself these questions yeah. because, you know, you, you just end up getting pushed into that corner where you think to yourself, well, actually, why am I bothering doing this? You know, <laughs> it's not like you can't watch a game. You can watch it at home as well if you want to. But we're just, um, we're just idiots, man. Yeah, we're, man. We're just happy in love with our club. It's in love with the game, you know, love with the, for the Very club. Very proud idiots. Proud to be an idiot yeah. here. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm going to shift gears Back to Arsenal Fan TV. Uh, I know we talked about it a bit earlier, but how would you say the channel has changed your life? To me, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but I consider you, DT, Robbie, Troops, all of you guys, celebrities. I don't know if you call yourself a celebrity, but... No, not uh, at all. You know, (laughs) honestly, and there's humility and there's fake humility. I'm not trying to go for any of, of those, right? But for me, in all seriousness... I accept that people on YouTube are celebrities. That's just the way of the world now. Mm-hmm, yeah. But um, when I was growing up, to be a celebrity, you had to have a talent. And I don't have a talent. You know, what I'm doing, you guys doing your podcast every mm-hmm. single you know, week. Yeah. So there's, there's nothing about what I do or what any one of us do that makes us um, talented. And therefore, I don't think we're celebrities. You know, an actor, mm-hmm. a musician... TV presenter, all of that. They're celebrities. We're just known. Yeah. It's just in modern day culture, there's a different outlet. That's called YouTube. And as a result of that, we're just known. I wouldn't even say we're popular. We're just known. So for every one person that likes us, there'll be someone that hates us. So we're not celebrities. We're not popular. You just recognize our faces. And there is just that novelty factor when you see someone you recognize. Um, that yeah, you, you want to get a picture with them and, and that sort of stuff. It's just the way it is. So no, I, I don't have any, you know, silly visions of of me being a celebrity or anything like that. That's well, you, cool. you've hung out, hung around with plenty of celebrities. Like you just mentioned, you just casually uh, mentioned how you're talking with Ian Wright earlier <laughs> and the like. So uh, has that been surreal at all? Meeting Arsenal legends, talking about football with them mad it's absolutely mad to me and you know i i can't tell you how much i love ian wright he was i can't remember how i got into sporting arsenal but i'm sure it was because of him 
you know, he is um, my absolute flipping hero. So mm. the fact that Ian Wright knows my name, when he sees me, he <laughs> says my name and smiles like a friend, is <laughs> crazy to me. I, every time that happens, yeah. I... I don't let I don't allow myself to get used to that. I kind of pinch myself and <laughs> remind myself, you know, that this is a guy you spent your whole childhood emulating. I used to fight for the number eight shirt in football mm-hmm. teams. I used to copy his celebrations. I used to, you know, uh, posters of him up on my wall, his name and number on the back of my shirt. Even to this day, like, you know, if I if I go go-karting with some friends and the go-karts have got numbers, I want number eight. <laughs> and that's ingrained in me, absolutely ingrained in me because of him. So I feel so lucky, wow. so, so blessed and honoured right. to be able to, you know, interact with him. And and that's through Arsenal Fan TV. So I'm eternally grateful for that, man. I, I just, uh, yeah, I, I love that. I really do. That's so cool, man. How does it make you feel to when, because uh, you said for everyone that likes you, you have people that hate you. Uh, and Arsenal Fan TV does face a lot of criticism from the likes of Bellerin, uh, from yeah. the likes of big pundits, even Sky Sports. I listen, I uh, listen to football shows here in the U.S., and not all of them there's criticism, but at least mentioned Arsenal Fan TV. Uh, does that make you? I don't know. How does that make you feel once these big celebrities are occasionally slamming the the? platform that you guys have made so great and i think it's so special i think it's special too i, I honestly I, I couldn't care less I, I really don't i mean the thing is I, i've never been that attached to other people's opinions you know there's a there's a lot of people that will i see getting really riled up by something you know a radio presenter will say or a journalist will say but you know i've, I've always had this view even if it's in my professional career and i'm talking to a ceo it's just two arms and two legs man you know it, it doesn't matter where your life has led you, no one's opinion is greater than anyone else's. So if someone doesn't like Arsenal Fan TV, that's fine, man. Just move mm-hmm. on. Just live and let live. I, so I almost feel like I'm the wrong person for you to ask about this because I've got a very like boring way of looking at it. I just don't care for other people's opinions that much. Mm-hmm. There's obviously certain people that um, who you really value someone's opinion or you, or you think to yourself, oh, they really capture... Uh, the essence of a conversation or a topic really, really well. And for that reason, you respect their opinion. It's those sort of people or or people that are very dear to me, very close to me. You know, so for me, I value my wife's opinion more than I value Gary Neville's. Do you know what I mean? Because I I like the way she thinks. I I like her morals and and all of that sort of thing. When it comes to Gary Neville, if he doesn't like Arsenal Fan TV, you don't have to like Arsenal Fan TV. It doesn't bother me at all. And the What's interesting is like people talk as though there's a hierarchy in opinions within football. If you're a fan that doesn't attend games, you're less important than a fan that does attend games. If you're a fan that does attend games and you've had some footballing experience, you're more important than, you know, and you see what I'm saying. And it goes all the way up to a World Cup winner, you know, World Cup winners or, you know, something like that is somehow more able to have an opinion on football. Mm. But then you see that argument just falls down when you get, Two people of equal stature, you know, two World Cup winners or two journalists or two Arsenal players who have got differing opinions. Well, then how do you tell me who's right and who's wrong? What happens to this hierarchy when even on the same level, people are disagreeing? So you take Hector Bellerin, didn't really have a lot of time for Arsenal fan TV. And you take Jack Wilshere, his recent comments, he was um, you know, an advocate of Arsenal fan TV. Mm-hmm. So... When, and, and that's why even recently I tweeted that, look, if you're going to take what Hector Bellerin said as some sort of moral victory, you've now got to take what Bellerin, what uh, Jack Wilshere said as a defeat. 
and the reality is it doesn't matter what people think, man. Yeah. Just carry on doing what you're doing. And there are obviously some some minimum expectations. You shouldn't be abusive. You shouldn't be disrespectful and all of that sort of stuff. I think that's non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Other than that, do what the hell you like, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why Oz and King is also putting out a show every week, man. Um, just curious. Uh, you know, there was a guy, Turkish, on Arsenal Fan TV. He used to come yeah. out earlier. Where is yeah. the ad, man? He doesn't... I haven't seen him in a while. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was actually. He's a very nice guy. He was at yeah. the um, at the event recently as well. Yeah. So, well, if you see him and uh, say hi from me, I mean, my parents Ooh. are Turkish and born and raised. Oh, right, right. I'm born and raised in Sweden, so <laughs> say hi from him when when you see him, man. Um, you yeah, did cool win cool. at that uh, at that event. You did win a trophy. Tell us about it. <laughs> did you lift it up? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't know what to do when I get trophies because uh, I'm an Arsenal fan. No, I'm only kidding. We've actually won a few, so I shouldn't say that. But um, no, do you know, it was, it was nice. I think. I think you know, uh, it's it's less. It's just more about you know Robbie being gracious enough to thank everyone for for their support in this mm. and you know i i don't do it for him i do it for me because as i say you know i've had brilliant perks out of it i used to struggle for away tickets mm. now i get them more often than not and um you know i've met ian wright he knows me on a first name basis that sort of thing so i've had um a good time doing arsenal fan tv and you know the it's nice of robbie to thank me but even if he didn't even if there was no trophy it wouldn't have mattered you know it's just, it's just nice to be part of it but um it was a really good event and uh it's just very humbling to be honest with you the fact that you're being given an award or a trophy and then people want to hear your reaction to it people want to hear your reaction <laughs> yeah. to uh, what you think of football games and stuff it, it's just very humbling because as, I, as i've always said could have been anyone else that walked past robbie on the day that i walked past him and then right. what's happened with me you know in arsenal fan tv would have happened to them And um, again, that wouldn't have made their opinion any stronger or weaker. Um, but it, it's nice to, to be able to have the reach that I've got. And I don't know, uh, for me, as long as people continue to come up to me and say, oh, yeah, you know, I always agree with what you say or 99% of the time you say what I think. I, I love hearing that because yeah. then it means that, you know, obviously I'm. You know, not talking complete and utter rubbish. So it's nice to do <laughs> I that. I mean, you know, we respect you a lot. I respect you a lot. And it's such a amazing thing to straight after a game be so raw feelings emotions to just share it to us you know and yeah. whether good or bad good and bad yeah and me and Kerry we were in Kenya to do a podcast documentary they will we will release that soon um, cool. but we, we we met a lot of people over there that had Arsenal jerseys and a lot of people said Wenger out and <laughs> hopefully you know um, he, he we can start a new chapter in the Arsenal's history you know and just look forward to um, a new new shift in the culture hopefully man. yeah man let's yeah, uh, I... sorry but uh, let's uh Unless you have anything else you want to say, close out this interview with you giving your thoughts on the game today. If it happens, uh, how do you expect it to go? Five sure, zero Arsenal. Yeah, just before that, I, I will just say something on Arsene Wenger. Look, yeah. I think um, different people express themselves in different ways about Arsene Wenger, but um, I think you know there is there is the acceptance amongst the fan base that you know it looks like we do need a change of of manager. Mm. I would hate to see him sacked. Um, And, and I think the club missed the opportunity to let it let it run to its natural course. Yeah. You know when when his contract was up, but 
you know, the, the, I think the one thing that people lose sight of, look, as much as some, certain people want Wenger out, surely as an Arsenal fan, you should want the current manager, whoever he is, to achieve success. And some people are, are so far gone that they do not want to see Arsene Wenger win the Premier League. <sighs> You know, because they, they worry that, oh, it'll mean that he'll stay on longer. Look, if Arsene Wenger wins a Premier League, then we do not need a change of manager. Then right. it's problem solved, you yeah. know, <laughs> in the best way possible. So, yes, I, I would like to see um, a change and, and, you know, that sort of thing. But what I want to see more than that is Arsene Wenger vindicated. You yeah. know, I'd love to see him go and win a Champions League or a Premier League. And obviously, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. But um, just just a kind of reminder that people shouldn't be losing sight of what's important, and that's Arsenal. And look, as for tonight, I'm um, expecting defeat, in all honesty. You know, what can I say? It's just... Um, <laughs> it's just just the way it is. No you know, sort of it, rebound from the, from the game at the weekend? No, I think it will be a case for Man City, a winning mentality, a winning, a winning team, a winning culture getting a taste for one trophy and then saying let's go flipping nail the Premier League because they haven't been as good uh, in recent weeks as they have been for the start of the, from the start of the season because you know the pressure hasn't been there for them. So yeah, look, I think they'll come and they'll beat us again. Um, I hope I'm wrong, but you know, we'll, it's, it's hard, it's really hard to be uh, too positive right now as an yeah, Arsenal you're fan. Right. You're right, yeah. Never mind Man City, even looking at Brighton on the weekend, I'm not confident about that game either, going away from home. Look at our away record. Mm. So, you know, I'd love to get six points this week, um, but I, I don't think that's likely. Regardless, you're going to do your damnedest to go to the games and give your all, all your support. And uh, we're gonna watch it from you. We're, we're gonna give our support from afar. Uh, but thanks so much for being on the show, Mo. It's no a pleasure to have you. Real great talk. Sure. Thank you so Thank much, you. man. No worries, man. started a year ago coaching together man mm-hmm. and, and uh, i remember we sat down once uh, at waffle house actually and we were like okay let's set up a plan let's set up a schedule for the upcoming seasons and stuff where do we want to go how do we want to get there what kind of drills and what do we really need to emphasize on what do we want for them for the future as well right and um, remember when we had those heavy losses in the beginning. Yeah. But we kind of did stick together as in like, you know, we're going to play in this way. We still need to try, attempt the philosophy or whatever, right? The, the idea that we want to bring in. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess tough is the right word because, yeah, some big losses knew a lot of work had to be done. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but... I think we saw, maybe it was foolish, but I don't think it was. We saw good potential, good promise, girls that we were coaching. And, uh, we, yeah, we just stuck with it. And we knew that they had the right idea or they were getting the right idea. They just needed to execute it and, de- and develop the finer points of this concepts, right? And we stuck with it and. And now we both got them both teams to a final. Exactly. <laughs> One year exactly. later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, 
just more exciting and motivating for us and for the girls as well for the future too. You know, from now on, we just have to keep working hard with the idea. Makes and me feel like, <clears throat> excuse me, makes me feel like maybe we do know a bit of what we're talking about, don't we? <laughs> we do. Uh, we do. You know, we do. Um, and it's, you know, Arsenal, man, doesn't really look like a team with a plan. Nah. Uh, philosophy or style or play either. No. We've mentioned on this podcast before how important it is for teams to have that plan set in place mm-hmm. and, and goals for the future and, you know, expectations that need to be met. Positive expectations that need that eventually lead to or complement this goal, this plan. Exactly. Arsenal just looks like they don't really have anything going on. Nothing really, right? I mean, Thinking f- of. for a long time, there has been misery among Arsenal fans. Um, even people that felt like a change needed to happen, but didn't really manage to get their opinion heard. Yeah. And then Arsenal fan TV started. They really started five years ago. And um, yeah, man, for me, they have shown that a change needs to happen. Uh, a change needs to happen when a group of people, fans in this case, are so unhappy with the mismanagement of the situation that Arsenal Football Club is in. So they want to um, get their voice heard for the board and the people that manage the club to make the changes. And uh, I am afraid. I'm seriously afraid. Like, if... Arsene Wenger still gets the job next year, right? <laughs> if they don't sack him or kick him, um, this can only be... This can lead to some ugly things, man. Like, there is not that far from fans sabotaging the club or um, or vandalizing the stadium or the stores, burning jerseys, because it's about to happen a revolution almost you know most said too that uh he believes now the fan base as a whole is essentially i don't know if united is the word but they all recognize that change needs to happen too before it was almost this the divisive split then Wenger in Wenger mm-hmm. out about certain players what have you but now i think everyone or most fans realize that Change needs to happen, and once all the fans are united on that front, the fans are a pretty powerful, powerful thing. Yes, they? yes. And you're right; it could be ugly scenes. Yeah. Um, I don't want it to sound more miserable than it is, but you know, once fans want something and they love their club like they do, they're gonna do what they can to to try and set things right. And we do it in good and bad, right? We watch the games. Um, when we think we might not win, we go out and watch the games even when it's like rainy. We even travel far to go watch our games. I went to uh, Emirates with my brother. You know, like I said, um, we've been watching the Arsenal game in Kenya, me and you, didn't mm-hmm, we? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the entire world is watching. And as a football fans, man, we are crazy in our passion and it is an unconditional love that no matter what we will be there and support and um, don't treat us like shit you know don't disrespect our um, energy or money that we put in 
to support you guys. And we're so happy that we had Mo as also a true gooner coming on the show, telling his experiences from Arsenal Fan TV, his experiences from being a fan for the club, and also the um, his opinions as mm. well, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, real charming person to talk to. And for the sake of Mo, for the sake of you, Oz, uh-huh. for my own sake and yes. the sake of every other supporter of Arsenal yeah. out there, um, really hope things turn better in the future. I mean, let's say this, man. We've been going through so much shit, right? So much miserable. But imagine this. A striker. 35 goals. Wearing the red and white. The red with white sleeves. Adidas jersey. And with a engine in the midfield named Jack Wilshere with the captain's armband leading the way. Oh, that defense. The best in Europe. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know, the best defense in <laughs> Europe. Like, no one can get past our central defenders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And just that, that say, someone like Diego Simeone or that mold on the sidelines that engine on the on the touchline. Oh, we've been waiting for it for so long. Pumping the fans up as, yes. after each goal. Has, he's screaming to the fans to rise up and everybody is like pumped. There's this energy at Emirates, Getting man. behind the team. Big time, bro. Big time. And then you also have Thierry Henry as assistant coach. You have the statue already outside. And we have one of the most exciting teams in Europe. The envy of all of England. Exactly. We're giving uh, teams like Real Madrid, Barcelona games, man. We won the quarterfinal, remember? Yeah, against AC Milan. Big time in the uh, Champions League. In the Champions League. And the semifinal we won against Real Inter Madrid. Milan. Real Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> and in the, in yeah. the final against Bayern Munich. Three goals with... Captain Jack Wilshere rounding it off fittingly just moments before he stepped up the stadium. What's the stadium? Shikrish Sarosholo. No. He's never gonna be in Turkey. If it is, it'll probably be the Ataturk Stadium again. Uh huh. It'll probably be like Ataturk Stadium. Say Ataturk Stadium. No, no, no. Where do you want to have it? It'll probably be at Camp Nou. No. Yeah. Largest stadium in Europe. So at Camp Nou, and then just moments later, he steps up. Uh, he walks up the steps at Camp Nou and lifts the trophy in front of 99,000 fans. Me, you, Mo, and all the other Arsenal fan TV people were there and we just screaming. We are the champions, my friend. For real this time. For real. <laughs> we keep on fighting till the end. Beautiful. Thank you so much. That was the best day of our lives. listening once again to the Oz and Kings football podcast. podcast.